Uh, would you please join me in prayer? God, we are here this morning because we desire to meet with you. And we trust that you desire to meet with us. And so as we said together in the opening call to worship, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When Christine first approached me about preaching this summer, I thought, sure, I can do that. When she circled back to me a few weeks later and said that it would be a testimonial series about a time we had encountered Jesus, I thought, time to, to bow out gracefully. <laughs> so I've been sitting with this date looming all month now, and I have a bit of a confession for you all this morning. So here, here's my confession. I don't really know how I encounter Jesus. It's really hard for me to think of specific moments when I feel like I experience Jesus, the real presence of the real man. I honestly don't know how much the living, breathing, moving person of Christ actually factors into my daily life. And further confession, Christine is like, this is not what I had in mind. <laughs> further confession, when I read the Gospels, I find it really hard to feel like the Jesus in those stories corresponds to an actual person, someone who knows my name and the story that comes with it. So you, you know the Ignatian practice of Lectio Divina? You often, you take a story from the Gospels and you try to imagine yourself in it well, I took a class in seminary where we, we did this exercise a lot. And so, for example, we would meditate on the story of Jesus in the boat calming the storm. And I swear, everyone else in my class would say things like, well, I see myself on the starboard side and Jesus is to the left of me and, and Peter is telling me a joke or I'm swimming in the boat and, and the waves are getting higher, but Jesus threw me a life vest. And I would be sitting there thinking, I can't find myself. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I'm not in this story. And I'm saying it kind of in a, a joking way now, but at the time it was actually incredibly frustrating. I felt like everyone else was in on a secret that I had no access to. Why don't I read the gospels and have a profound encounter with the living Christ? Why, when I try to imaginatively engage with Jesus, do I feel like I'm just pretending to be someone I'm not? So I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been a Christian my entire life. I have a seminary degree. And I feel like an imposter giving this message. And so it's important for me to be honest with you tempting as it is to stand up here and tell some amazing story of a powerful encounter I've had with Jesus, I don't want to represent someone else's story, the faith that I wish I had. Rather, I'll do my best to share a story that is mine and the faith that I do have. And so here, here's what I have to share with you this morning. 
when I think about how I personally encounter Jesus, I find it easiest to sort of translate that into the question, where do I encounter the sacred? Like what feels particularly full of grace for me? And when I ask myself that question, I think about my job. So as Christine just said, I work as a chaplain here in the city. And I know chaplaincy can be kind of mysterious, but at a basic level, my job is to provide spiritual support to our patients, our families, and our staff. And when I introduce myself, there's a huge amount of uncertainty about what will happen next. So this is my standard speech that I give in most routine visits. I stand just like this. I say, hi, my name is Rachel. I'm one of the chaplains at the hospital. Chaplains provide emotional, spiritual support. We know it's not easy to be here. And I'm not here with any bad news. I just want to introduce myself and see how you're doing this morning. So when I walk into a room and I deliver that speech, I have no idea what will happen next. Often people will say something like, well, I'm surviving. Sometimes people will cut straight to the chase, telling me that they're in a living nightmare that they wouldn't wish on their worst enemy. Sometimes they just launch into their entire medical history, which is always fun. Other times they passionately inform me that they're an atheist, also fun. And other times they're so eager for prayer that they bow their head and they close their eyes before I can even ask what they want to pray for. Genuinely, there's no limit to how creative these opening moments sometimes get. But what's consistent for me is always this sense of vulnerability. It's really scary to walk into a room that can house absolutely anyone and where absolutely anything can happen and where you know nothing except for maybe what you read in their chart and you're just standing there open and ready for whatever you might create together. And if being a chaplain involves a radical kind of vulnerability, it is also an incredible privilege. When patients and their families invite me into this particular moment of their lives, what is more often than not the worst moment of their lives, I feel it as an incredible gift. When a cancer patient shares his dilemma about whether to write letters for his children to read after he dies or to let them forget him in peace. When the mother of a toddler who got hit by a car tells me about the ghost of guilt that haunts her day and night. When an atheist battling addiction shares what it feels like to be a cat at the end of its nine lives. When the parents of an infant who's too sick to be a transplant candidate, tells me what it's like to love a baby who will not make it to their first birthday. These are some of the most sacred moments I've experienced. I remember one evening when I visited a young, critically ill patient whom I'd gotten to know over the course of his admission, so several weeks. And I happened to visit him at a rare moment when nobody else was in the room. 
And this patient was deaf. And so I wrote my usual few questions on the whiteboard. How do you feel today? Is there anything I can do for you? Then when the effort of talking became too much for him, I pulled out my phone and I showed him videos of our family dog, the dog that I'd grown up with. And at this point in his admission, my patient could barely keep his eyes open or speak at all. But when he saw the video, he broke into a huge smile and he said, so adorable. And I smiled back and I showed him all the videos I had on my phone. And then for a few quiet minutes without any doctors or nurses around, we just stood there, my gloved hand holding his smiling at one another and acknowledging the unspoken truth that he was dying. He knew it and I knew it. And for one mysterious eternal moment, we just held that truth together. He died a few days later and walking with him in those final weeks of his life was one of the most meaningful experiences I've ever had. I've learned that illness has a way of stripping us to the very core of what it means to be human. It confronts us with our mortality and the mortality of those we love. It raises questions that in good health we tend to stifle. What is the meaning of our existence? How will I know if I've lived a good life? What does a good death look like? What does it mean to be in relationships with people who will at some point leave us? Where is God in the seemingly arbitrary cards that life just deals out? And to be entrusted with their questions and their pain and to bear witness to their resilience amidst the worst that life can offer. It's a gift every time I walk into a room. And at the same time, I'll be honest with you, it's not always easy for me to feel Jesus in those visits. And actually, it's, it's quite difficult. I can't tell you how many times I've left a room, gone up to the skywalk on the 11th floor where you can see the whole Manhattan skyline and just railed against God, asking where he is in all of this suffering. Yes, these encounters feel sacred and holy to me, but often they leave me with more despair than comfort, more doubt than faith. What good is a God who rises from the dead when that resurrection does nothing to prevent people we love from dying before their time? As one of my patients put it, I don't need a God who's all talk. And so I wrestle. I tell God how angry I am at him. I pray Psalm 13 continuously. How long, O oh Lord? And maybe this is a way I encounter Jesus. By questioning him and in questioning him, showing him that he's worth all this anger and confusion. So I'll end with this. There's a, a quote that I love by an author named Norman McLean, 
And if you've ever seen the movie, A River Runs Through It, his short story was the basis for that film. And in this story, he has a line where he writes, all good things come by grace and grace comes by art and art does not come easy. So all good things come by grace and grace comes by art and art does not come easy. I think about this line a lot when I'm at the hospital because I feel that grace in the sacredness of my visits in the faces and stories of the people I meet. Grace comes in the art of conversation through the beauty of a person who goes from being a stranger to someone you love, but it does not come easy. It comes with wrestling, it comes with tears, and it comes when it comes at all with the hard truth that encountering Jesus sometimes means encountering him in what feels like his absence, trusting rather than experiencing that he can be found anywhere, even and perhaps especially in the places where he cannot be felt. So I wanna give us just a minute to sit in silence with God and to ask ourselves, where do you encounter the sacred in your life? Maybe something immediately comes to mind, maybe not. Maybe there's some part of your life that feels just so full of turmoil. Can you meet Jesus there? So just take a moment to meet God wherever you're at this morning, and then I'll close us in a word of prayer. And so, Lord, here we are this morning, coming from all kinds of places, traveling through all kinds of things. And we confess that for all that you are Emmanuel, God with us, it can be really hard to feel the truth of that name. Your presence does not always feel the way we imagine your presence should does not always solve our problems or answer our questions the way we wish. And yet we trust, or we want to trust, that you are with us in places of beauty as well as in places of struggle. Help us to be more sensitive to how you can be found in all places and in all things. We ask all this of you because we know that you are a God who loves to give good things to your children, more sometimes than we even know how to receive. We pray all of these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.